It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. On today's show, the start right off with the real exciting news of the week. The Suez Canal has been cleared. Yes, the most famous clogged artery since the invention of lard. The Suez Canal has now been cleared so that we can get our almost $10 billion a day worth of junk that goes through the Suez Canal. Not all of it junk, of course. So the canal has been cleared. It will, of course, uh, now have a stent and will be on blood thinners forever. But ships are passing through it again. On today's show, after the Suez Canal, Biden's new New Deal continues with his $2 trillion plan to invest in America. Plus, we'll have some more thoughts on fixing U.S. democracy, especially as a repressive and brutal military crackdown against pro-democracy demonstrators in Myanmar uh, continues to serve as a GOP role model. But... First, before we get into all that, has the list of GOP sex offenders just gotten bigger? Has it been enlarged? This is a hard question for many of us. Is Matt Gates a pedophile? I don't mean to be making light of sex offenses here, or for that matter, sex offenders. When I mention that this is, I guess, rivals the Suez Canal as the feel-good story of the week. Again, not making light of sex offenses, which are awful. Just enjoying a certain amount of schadenfreude here. Uh, Reveling in the misery of low-life pieces of shit who deserve to be miserable for the rest of their lives. And by that, of course, I'm referring to Congressman Matt Gates of Florida who has long been on the Trump train and is as disgraceful, as crazy, as manipulative, as big a liar, selfish scumbag as exists in the United States government. And I understand, of course, especially if you've been a regular listener to the show, uh, how strong a competition that actually is. But he is the worst of the worst. So, am I rooting for charges to be brought against this guy for sex offenses and for him to spend many, many years in prison? Oh, yes, I am. Absolutely. I don't, I, I, I don't back off of that or, or uh, equivocate on that for even a moment. I hope this guy did everything he's being accused of and a whole lot more, and I hope he goes to prison for a really, really, really long time. That would be great. You know, in the in the nature of Schadenfreude, and I realize it maybe doesn't put me in a great light. I don't really care. I wish ill of bad people. Uh, this this came up in a, among my family today. Actually, we're having discussion about how we felt about all these Trump donors who were ripped off. Hard to imagine. Hard to imagine that someone who would support Donald Trump 
might be ripped off by Donald Trump. That Donald Trump would have that little respect for the people who support him. As is now coming out in the news that uh, donors who thought they were giving a one-time donation to Donald Trump, in fact, were being listed as giving a monthly donation. Those of us and those of you out there who've donated to charity online will know that generally, if not always, there's a button at the bottom when you put in how much you want to you, you contribute. There's always a button that says, do you want to make this a monthly donation? And you can click on that, and that's a way to try to convince you to, to, to donate more money. Well, apparently, uh, it's really hard to believe because Trump so loves and respects his supporters that uh, that Donald Trump did that with more of kind of a secret button that maybe his donors, and you've got to understand, of course, this whole story has to be put in the context of the fact that people who are already inclined to donate to Trump have have demonstrated that they are among the stupidest human beings who have ever walked upright since this planet was created. And so you're talking to a particular subset of morons who are, let's face it, pretty easily separated from their from their dollars. You know, again, they, they support Trump, almost certainly against their own interests. So Trump was ripping these people off. And the question was, do you feel bad for them? And I got to say, I was one of the people in my family, I guess some people are healthier than I am, I was one who was like, I have no sympathy for them at all. They're Trump supporters. And then I thought about it. I thought, well, some of them. No, no, no. I was trying, but I really can't. At this point, I can't give a pass to any Trump supporter. But but trying desperately to be like, well, some of them are just brain dead stupid. They're not really evil human beings. They just truly are stupider than dirt. And so for those, do I feel a little bit bad about them being ripped off? Um, no, still not, still not working for me, but I'm a little bit closer. You know, here's, here's the difference when it comes to enjoying the schadenfreude with Matt Gates. Nobody at, at my family discussion today had any sympathy for him. Uh, he's not j- j- brain dead stupid. He's evil. He's just a son of a bitch. And so wishing for ill things to happen to him, to me, that's a no brainer. But anyway, what is it that Matt Gates has been accused of as long as we're on the subject? Well, let's see. According to the New York Times, uh, Justice Department, the Justice Department is investigating Representative Gates and an indicted Florida politician who's apparently close to it. Sometimes you can be measured by who you choose to hang out with, uh, as if choosing to hang out with Donald Trump wasn't bad enough. Uh, is focusing on their involvement with multiple women who were recruited online for sex and received cash payments, according to people close to the investigation. Okay, so he's possibly involved with basically a sex trafficking ring. The guy he was, he is in bed with, so to speak, was Joel Greenberg, if the former tax collector in Seminole County, Florida, who really, who really seems like such a class act that, I don't know, when Jeffrey Epstein died, he probably lost his closest friend. He was indicted last year on a federal sex trafficking charge and other crimes, and then is now back in jail because he violated the terms of his parole. The allegations apparently seem to be, the investigation seems to be focusing on whether this Greenberg clown 
introduced women to Congressman Gates who also had sex with them and whether they paid for it and managed to try to make it look like they weren't paying for it, which is what it's looking like right now. The Justice Department inquiry is also examining, here's the fun part now, whether Mr. Gates had sex with a 17-year-old girl and whether she received anything of material value for having had sex with a United States congressman who was 20 years or so her senior and was paying for sex with a minor. Well, this is a problem because at 17 years of age, if you are providing gifts of material value and trafficking that person in sex, that leads to all kinds of legal problems. Child sex trafficking alone carries a 10-year minimum sentence. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, Just as an aside, uh, some of the men and women who were involved in this sex scheme were apparently also taking ecstasy, an illegal mood-altering drug, before having sex, including its alleged Congressman Gates, taking illegal drugs before he had sex with minors, is the allegation. And before before I move on, allegations that Gates showed nude photos and videos of women he'd had sex with to other Republican lawmakers. In other words, hey, did you check out this 17-year-old hottie I paid to have sex with the other day? Man, you want to hang with me. It's starting to sound a little bad when you read the allocations about, uh, about Matt Gates. And look, paying to have sex with women is, is bad enough. Paying to have sex with underage women is bad enough. But from the GOP's perspective, maybe it's just me, but all this sharing of women they were apparently sharing around with each other, um, this this is troubling. I mean, is this guy a closet socialist? I, I mean, share, you know, it's one thing to, to child sexual to, or to sexual traffic children, but but then to share like a socialist? I mean, that would be bad. That would be bad in the Republican Party. That might even, like, anger some evangelicals. It's possible. So, of course, Matt Gates has pulled the usual out of the Republican playbook, which is go on the offensive. And he said, and I quote, I have a suspicion that someone is trying to recategorize my generosity to ex-girlfriends as something more untoward. Yeah, there it is. Sure, I gave them money. Sure, I gave them presents. Sure, I gave them stuff. That's just, you know, Matt Gates is generosity. Oh my God, he is a socialist. Sharing and generous. Oh man, the evangelicals are going to turn on him for that. The only thing he's got going for him, he's still got the evangelicals behind him because it wasn't a boy. Because if he had been sexually trafficking boys, that would have been bad. Anyway, I mentioned Myanmar, a country in Asia now being ruled by a military dictatorship, the Tatmadaw, giving us an idea what a GOP United States will look like in a few years. I don't, again, I don't mean to make light of murder in Myanmar. I mean to make serious of what's been going on in America. To give you an idea in Myanmar, members, again, this is from, I think, the New York Times, members of the military shot and killed a woman's rights advocate, advocate, activist, sorry, a snack vendor, 
a football goalkeeper, and more than 110 others, including many young children. This was just on one day. In the most brutal episode of violence since the military junta deposed the National League for Democracy in early February. Military, uh, victims' families were told that they would have to sign a letter affirming that the military was not responsible for the deaths in order to retrieve the bodies of their loved ones. Wow, this is signing away your right to, to seek remuneration in the future. That's taken right out of the corporate, corporate America playbook. More than 40 children are dead in Myanmar since February. To give a quick recap of what's going on, why should we care about Myanmar? Myanmar, for years, was run by a repressive military dictatorship that at the time called itself the SLORC, the State Law and Order Restoration Council. Apparently, the new iteration of this military junta has decided that SLORC doesn't poll very well among focus groups. So... Uh, they, they came back strong. They opened up the country years ago in what was really a, a remarkably surprising and uplifting moment in much of the world. And the perhaps most famous pro-democracy activists in the entire world, uh, Dong Sang Suu Kyi, the opposition leader in Myanmar for years who had been suffering under house arrest for many years for opposing the military dictatorship and fighting for democracy, eventually was allowed to run for president, was overwhelmingly elected president, and was leading Myanmar. The The bloom got off that rose fairly quickly. I remember years ago uh, at the school I teach at, at Queens College, we had an event where uh, Aung San Suu Kyi came and uh, was feted by the administration, by none other, among others, Carol King came and sang a version of You Got a Friend for Her that changed the words to make it just for Aung San Suu Kyi. This was really a moment celebrating this, this hero around the world. Now, her, her shine faded fairly quickly when she was running the country when she didn't stand up against military repression and uh, discrimination, bigotry, uh, perhaps uh, genocide, hate crimes against uh, disfavored Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar. And one of the things that supporters pointed out was that her grasp on the country was very tenuous, that the military at any point, if she oversteps whatever authority they're giving her, the military is just going to take the country back. Well, whether those two things are related or not, the military took the country back several months ago. People, having gotten used to some idea of having some democracy or self-determination, have taken to the streets, and they're being murdered in massive numbers. In the feel-good story of the decade becoming one of the feel-bad stories of the decade. Well, feel bad for most thinking, normal, decent human beings. Of course, one political party in this country looks at what's happening in Myanmar and thinks, gee, why can't we do that? It would be so much easier to keep stealing elections if we could just get our armed people on the streets and just stop, shoot people at the voting booths. So, yeah, again, not meaning to make too much light of this. Welcome. Take a look at Myanmar and look at what a Republican America will look like in a few years. I talked last time and many other shows on Republican voter suppression efforts in this country for the People Act. We talked about at length last week and the necessary, the existential effort that this country is going through to try to 
expand voting rights and protect voting rights around this country while the Republican Party tries to destroy voting rights around this country. It's their only path to political power. Talked about how they're not even hiding their voter suppression anymore, the Republican Party. It's just flat out. You think I'm, you think I'm looking for parallels in, in Myanmar and that's looking too far? Maybe. It is at this point. Like talking about Trump and Hitler in the same breath and saying, people saying, well, Trump's not Hitler. And of course, the answer is, well, not yet, maybe. But anyway, the Republicans continue to not even bother to try to hide their, their voter suppression efforts and really not even try very hard to cover them up and make them look about something noble like trying to stamp out voting fraud or anything. The, the idea for the Republicans seems to be everybody pretty much knows what's going on at this point. It's just a question of whether we can get it done. Our people will support us no matter what we do. So if we could just blatantly steal the elections and our people support us, then let's just do that. That's kind of where we are at this point. People have been making the comparisons right now to Republican efforts to stop black people from voting all across America, to Jim Crow, segregation and discrimination throughout the South, including preventing black people from voting. This is, in many respects, making that comparison even more apt. During Jim Crow, there generally weren't efforts, much efforts to hide what was being done. Black people were disfavored and the Republicans were going to stop them from having the same rights as white people. And and now we're at the same point where they don't even feel the need to hide what they are doing, make it look prettier than it actually is. They just say, yeah, we're doing it and we know enough of you are going to support us and we're going to stop enough of the rest of you from voting that it's not going to matter. So, yeah, welcome to United States of Myanmar down the road. Um. On the other hand, in some respects, I want to point out, we have made great strides since Jim Crow, and what's happening right now around this country is kind of demonstrating that. And in that sense, what I mean is, I don't think that the Republican efforts generally across this country are motivated by racism as much as they're motivated by just the desire to steal elections. And I suppose in that sense, we've made progress. where Republicans will, in future court cases will come out and say, we're doing this to try to steal an election, not because we're racists. And as I've reported on this show way back when, the Supreme Court has held that that argument is actually a winning legal argument. This is, of course, the same Supreme Court that gave us just a few years ago, we are reminded, the infamous, and again, I've reported on this at length, Shelby County v. Holder decision. Where in the United States Supreme Court, the five ultra-conservative justices on the United States Supreme Court overthrew one of the key provisions of the Voting Rights Act on the theory, discredited before the ink was dry, that we are living in a post-racist America. Yeah, can you believe that? This was before Trump. John Roberts, the Chief Justice, wrote that we are living in a post-racism America. We're not the same America. We don't need these laws to protect black people uh, and to protect black voting rights. Rarely has a Supreme Court decision been shown to be pathetically awful before the ink has even been dried, like was the case in Shelby County, where as soon as the decision came out, Republican states started passing voter suppression laws. Well, how's that decision looking right now as we approach the 200 mark 
since the 2020 election of efforts to restrict black voting rights across America. What the Shelby County decision did, remember, at least for for my longtime listeners, you will remember because we've discussed this. Shelby County beholder overturned the preclearance requirement in the Voting Rights Act that said that states that had a long history of discrimination against black people and denying voting rights to black people, if they wanted to change their voting laws in a way that would hurt black voting rights, they needed to get pre-cleared by the federal government before they could do that. Well, they don't have to do that anymore. So what's the result? They're passing all these laws. When I talk about fixing democracy, as I've been, as we did last time, I want to add one quick coda to that, which is to remind everybody, again, especially remind long-term listeners, that fixing democracy goes way beyond voting in America. There's, there's too many structural problems in America with our so-called democracy that allow a minority party, which the GOP has almost unquestionably at this point become, having lost seven out of the last eight national elections. Seven out of eight. The GOP is a minority party that in America, because of our anti-democratic rules, even before we start with the voter suppression, gets to either govern gets to either run the country despite being a minority that imposes its minority will on the majority and people who are a lot more decent and a lot smarter. If they they can't actually impose their agenda on better people and more people, they can stop the other side from pretty much doing anything. And until we address the fundamental issues in this country that allow a minority party to, to either govern or to just stop this country from being governed, we're not going to be able to move forward as a country. And right now, Republicans are showing, again, where they stand. They're not just preventing people from voting. The GOP is also stripping power from state governors. In states in which the GOP has a majority in the state legislature, but the, but the Democrats have a, the governorship, the Republicans are continuing their efforts to just expanding their efforts to just take away power from the governor. Now, how does this happen? The the legislature is so gerrymandered that even though the Republicans are losing statewide elections, which is why Democrats are being elected governor, they manage to hold on to the legislatures. Well, the For the People Act is going is designed to limit gerrymandering and and the stealing of state legislatures, which allow them to continue to prevent people who are supported by a majority of the citizens of the state from actually governing. And we're seeing that step up. How awful gerrymandering is, not just in the United States Congress, as I keep reporting on, but also, maybe even more importantly, in state legislatures across this country and what impact that is having. I've talked about the Senate, of course. I want to just remind everybody again that, because I just find this remarkable, that when we talk about the filibuster, and that 41 senators can stop the Senate from doing anything, including things that are supported by 70% of the American public, like For the People Act, that senators representing just about 20% of the U.S. population can totally stop the United States government in its tracks. Well, several weeks ago on this show, I reported 
that around 2040, it is estimated that 70% of the American public will live in just 16 states, meaning that 70% of the United States public, more than two-thirds of the United States public, will be represented by less than one-third of the United States Senate. Talk about stopping what this country wants and needs in its tracks. Well, I have to apologize, by the way. I made an error when I when I cited those statistics. In fact, the, the latest numbers I'm seeing is that 70% of the American public will not live in 16 states around 2040. No, in fact, 70% will live in 15 states. So 70% of the U.S. population will be represented by 30% of the United States Senate, which interestingly enough, is not even a number that can filibuster. It's not even big enough to filibuster the 30%. But anyway, that's building on last week's news. There is no question that fixing U.S. democracy is the number one important thing that needs to be on the agenda if this country is going to survive. However, I have a list in, in the hopes that we would actually have a government again I put together a list, the onset of the Biden administration, of what I felt were some of the most pressing issues confronting the country that I hope and expect to do over the next few months to discuss each of these issues and why they are important on this podcast. Well, number one was fixing voting. Number one on my list of what what needs to be done in America was fixing U.S. democracy, allowing Americans to vote etc. Not making them wait hours and hours long. All, all the usual. The, the exact opposite of what Republicans are doing regarding voting. But also fixing democracy in America as in getting rid of gerrymandering, getting rid of the Electoral College, doing something about the Senate. Number two on that list was infrastructure. What I thought was probably, was uh, they, they weren't in order ranked from, from most important to least important, but the ones that came into my mind first were presumably the ones I felt were pretty much the most important. So one was democracy, two was infrastructure. Why do I bring up infrastructure? Well, in case you've been living in a cave somewhere, that's leading me to the $2 trillion Biden stimulus plan. $2 trillion stimulus infrastructure plan, plan to basically fix America. You know, when I when I started going over this and infrastructure in some of my classes, I was reading through some of the things in the plan and some of the things that this country needs to do. And I was asking my students, I, I know it became sort of a rhetorical question, but do any of you think that's a bad idea? So in other words, uh, to, to fix Americans' roads, America's roads and bridges. I asked my students, do you drive? Have you driven on any of the roads in the New York metropolitan area? How fun an experience is that for you? What do you think that's done for productivity that trucks engaged in U.S. commerce might have to sit on the Long Island Expressway for three hours to go a few miles because of all the traffic, the, the, the lousy condition of the road, etc.? How many of you think that fixing our roads and bridges would be a good idea? I went over the, the American Society of Civil Engineers giving us... Uh, what was it? I think a C plus was the best we've done the last few years overall, the state of us infrastructure. I said, how many, how many of you think that investing in America is a bad idea? Hell, even Donald Trump kept promising infrastructure. Okay. Every week, remember was infrastructure week in America. He had his huge multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plan 
which he never tried to enact because he couldn't figure out how to make rich people richer through his infrastructure plan, and therefore it was a no-go in the Republican Party. But here are some of the things that Biden wants to spend money on. Uh, electric vehicle incentives. I'm, I'm a little biased on this one because I have an electric vehicle. And uh, over the past week, my family took a ride to Bridgeport, Connecticut. And um, we were meeting some friends and doing some hiking. And I said, you know what? This is, this is going to be beyond my range limit of my Nissan Leaf. But I want to see what it's like to try to take my car. We may, we may be spending the night on the road somewhere, but I'm going to see what it's, what it's like trying to charge up. We drove to Bridgeport, and I put my navigation on, and we found several chargers that, that were no longer working. Um, that was great. Uh, finally ended up driving to, to the town next, next town over and finding a charging station in a Hyundai dealership. Thank you, Hyundai dealership in, where is it? Uh, Freehold, Connecticut, I think, if, whatever it was, right next to Bridgeport. Uh, shout out to the Hyundai, Hyundai dealership that let me charge my car there. How nice would it be to have electric charging stations everywhere we go so you don't have to worry about this? When you drive an electric car, you know, just saving the planet and all. Uh, I already talked about roads and bridges. Um, not only is London Bridge falling down, but, you know, so is the George Washington Bridge and a whole bunch of other bridges across America that are deemed structurally deficient by the American Society of Civil Engineers. And sure, I understand they have they have some money in that game. So maybe that's a little unfair. Uh, nonetheless, our roads, and our roads and our bridges sucked. I think we could probably all agree to that. Public transit. Any of you out there live in New York City, think like spending money on public transit might be a good idea in America, might make people's lives better, might make people happier. Passenger and freight railways, I've talked about this in the past. There's apparently one bridge in the New York, New Jersey area where like every train going up and down the, the busy Northeast corridor has to go over and the, tri- and the bridge is in such disrepair, there are always backups sometimes lasting tremendous amounts of time to try to get over the bridge. Yeah, that's great for all our shipments. Airports, I think I've told the story on, the sh- on, on this show about my, my wife's friend from the Philippines who's now living and working in Norway, came to visit us a few years ago. I'd never met this woman before. We went to pick her up at Kennedy Airport. The first words I ever heard out of the mouth of my wife's friend who lives in Norway was, what the hell kind of an airport do you people have there? Like, couldn't believe what a piece of shit Kennedy Airport was. Welcome to America, people from around the world. We're a shithole. That's the first thing you're going to see. Then you've got affordable housing. The largest single item is something that we as a country have been talking about for decades. The idea that people in America should have a freaking place to live. That children in America should have a safe and secure place to live. Over $200 billion for affordable housing. High-speed broadband. I've since had a chance to read about the numbers of people in this country who do not have access to safe and reliable internet. At a time, of course, when we're closed down with COVID, people are trying to do education online. Good luck with that for many Americans. This is for Biden, his equivalent of FDR's Tennessee Valley Authority and bringing electricity to rural America, electricity all across America. This is the 21st century version of that, which is high-speed broadband. 
everywhere across America. Anybody think it would be a bad idea if your internet was more reliable and was faster? Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, Money on public schools. I've whined about this one for a long time. How America can't expect to lead the world for a whole lot of time if our schools are basically middling at best, which is where we stand right now, and as we continue to destroy our our elite public universities. Water systems. How about that one? Uh, let's Let's put this one. Water systems goes together with eliminating lead pipes. Anybody out there listening in Flint, Michigan, you think it would be a good idea to get rid of lead pipes that bring water into people's homes? Like, could we maybe do that? Veterans hospitals. There we are. I like this one. I can't wait till the GOP opposes this. We love veterans. We love the veterans, except, you know, whenever we actually have to show that we love veterans. And that's not even getting into the billions and billions of dollars on jobs and innovation to try to 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 race against China, to compete with China, to become the leader of the world's economy or be the leader of the world's economy moving forward. Whereas America has just been propping up our old and decrepit industries and China's investing in the future, Biden thinks that maybe investing in our future might be a pretty good idea as well. Anybody think these are bad ideas? And here's the thing. You don't even have to pay for it. Look, I know... I know that may not necessarily sound like a good thing. It kind of sounds like a Republican thing, which is you can have your cake and, and, and I don't know, someone else will have to pay for it. I, the metaphor just didn't work anymore. Um, this is a plan that America desperately needs. Our infrastructure is turned to shit. We cannot compete with the rest of the world if we are falling apart. We need to invest in America and we need to invest in Americans. It's pretty straightforward. So, of course... The entire Republican Party is against this plan. And why the hell not? Here's, uh, here's Moscow Mitch on the subject. A Trojan horse, a Trojan horse for massive tax hikes and other job-killing left-wing policies. Says Moscow Mitch, who, remember, is married to Elaine Chow, who's under investigation for, as Transportation Secretary, helping out her family while she was in the Trump administration. Yeah, there we go. Massive tax hikes and other job-killing left-wing policies. There we go. Just trot out the usual suspects. Um, Massive tax hikes and job-killing left-wing policies. I mean, just think of the impact on sex-trafficked little girls alone from this one. Who's going to pay for all these little girls if we tax rich people? I mean... Instead of taxing rich people, when Jeff Bezos becomes a trillionaire, he could probably just decide to do all these things on his own. I'm sure he will. The generosity of rich people in this country is just so overwhelming. Just unbelievable how how generous all these multi-billionaires are. Just by people from the financial community. They're just filled with with the milk of human kindness. Let's just leave it to them. So, of course... As I've already indicated, Biden is not just not paying for this as his GOP policy when they ram through tax cuts for billionaires. He's actually paying for it. And therein lies the real rub for the Republican Party. See, because the problem here is not that the Republican Party, they don't to be, you know, you're not paying for this. That's not the problem. They don't pay for shit all the time. The problem for the Republicans, of course, is that he does plan on paying for it. That in fact, 
the numbers I read that the tax increases on rich people and corporations would pay for this in, in less than 15 years. Okay, but that, of course, is the real problem. Since the Republican Party stands for nothing, pretty much, well, maybe white supremacy, but mostly the, the establishment Republican Party stands for nothing other than making rich people richer. That's the problem. The problem is that this bill is paid for, and it's paid for by incredibly rich people who've gotten incredibly richer while more than half a million Americans are dying of, of, of a global pandemic, for instance. And Biden is, has the nerve to ask that these multi-billionaires pony up so that America can prepare itself for the future. This allows me to mention people are bringing up Starve the Beast. Krugman had a column a few days ago on Starve the Beast, which I've talked about before. It gives me an opportunity to bring this up. The Republican economic policy has always been, when they take over the government, they loot it on behalf of the wealthiest people, including themselves, on the planet. And they don't pay for that. And they put this country into huge budget deficits, which is a win-win for Republicans. Not only are they making themselves and their rich donors richer, but now when a, when a Democrat eventually gets elected to replace them, the Republicans throw up their hands and say, gee, you might have some good ideas here. It's too bad we can't afford any of them because the most important thing this country needs to do right now is fix the budget deficit that we created. And that's called Starve the Beast, which is Republicans have basically said that the way they're going to force cutbacks in government spending, even ones that are unpopular among the American public, is to so starve this country of money that government simply doesn't have the money to pay for stuff, to do the things that this country needs. Well, Biden is kind of throwing a monkey wrench in that plan there. And he's gone, I guess he's gone them one better and said, can't afford it front? Well, we will pay for this by taxing fabulously rich people. Now, Democrats have never felt the ability to do that because throughout my entire lifetime, a Democratic president or presidential candidate who speaks about raising taxes, even if, if it's for billionaires and corporations, becomes an ex-politician very quickly. Because Americans are too stupid to understand nuance, at least too many Americans are, and 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 to un, and the Republican TV commercials will all be raise taxes, raise taxes, raise taxes. I, I talked about that, for instance, in my concern about Bernie Sanders getting the Democratic nomination. Once the Republicans started running the TV commercials with Bernie Sanders saying, "Yes, I'm going to raise taxes. Yes, I'm going to raise taxes." That's all. A hundred million Americans are going to know or see raise taxes, raise taxes. They don't have the brains or the thought or the or, or the interest in putting in the time necessary to understand whose taxes are going to be raised. Well, this is, again, just a sign of how remarkable these times are right now that Biden and the Democrats seem to think that they will get supported if they propose policies that will help the vast majority of this country and help this country as a whole and actually raise taxes on businesses and corporations and the rich people who own them in order to do that. By the way, one of, one of the interesting things that I saw in discussing like the increase in corporate taxes. Let's be clear that Biden proposes increasing corporate taxes. He's not even rolling back the entire Trump Republican tax cut. Only some of it for corporate taxes. Yes, that's enough to get the business roundtable, the Chamber of Commerce, all the usual business suspects up in arms about this. We love spending money on America. We just don't think we should be the ones having to do it. It should be our money. That's, that's the problem here. 
Um, but a lot of what this plan is doing is trying to get back at American businesses that have figured out that they could avoid U.S. taxes by moving money overseas. Like, for instance, holding patents in some offshore subsidiary where they're located in some tax haven country that does not force them to pay taxes. So all these big profits, I assume we'll probably read about this at some point, that when Pfizer and Moderna start rolling in the profits on COVID vaccines, those profits are going to be on some island somewhere, not to American companies. So we're actually trying to prevent companies from avoiding U.S. taxes and moving overseas. That That's what Republicans are going to be up in arms about. But also, of course, what we're, what we're trying to do here is get money from the people who've been enriching themselves tremendously by owning corporations that aren't paying taxes and aren't paying taxes themselves on the profits that they've been getting from those corporations. And the irony here is that's not just rich people. I'm not just talking about soaking American rich people or making them pay a little bit more. I really should avoid soaking because even at its highest, the amount that Biden wants to tax these people is far less than anything that they've been taxed at for decades in this country when this country had a growing middle class. But the interesting story here is that a lot of these U.S. businesses are going to have to pay more tax. Whose money is it going to come from? A lot of these businesses, a lot of this stock is owned by foreigners. And so who's going to pay to fix American rail, American schools, American drinking water, American bridges, American tunnels, American airports? Foreigners are. You know, those people that Trump told us that we should all be hating? Again, seems like kind of a win-win for the decent people. Now, of course, since the Republicans are against this, this bill has no hope of being enacted, certainly not anywhere near in its current form. The question we're looking at now is, can this bill be deemed so popular, can seen as so popular across America that, that Democrats can force the hand of some of their senators to support filibuster reform that would actually allow the Democrats to pass this bill without any Republican help? This is where we stand now. We talk about fixing democracy. Filibuster reform can actually allow the majority party in this country to do what a majority of Americans would like them to do. Wow, how un-American. Anyway, speaking of un-American, that pretty much highlights, again, what I've been arguing all along. Democrats may not be able to get their bills through, but at the very least, they need to highlight the differences between these two political parties so that someone with his head in the sand for four years still manages to get that information to filter through. And again, I'm happy to say that the Democrats seem to be doing what I was hoping that they would do a long time ago. They are showing that in this country, we have one political party that wants to end U.S. democracy on behalf of white supremacists, religious extremists, and the super rich who are their base. Let that be on the ballot, and if America can't survive that, we don't deserve to survive. Anyway, leaving on not quite so high a note, that's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us. I will be back soon with 
hopefully one more of the big issues that we need to be addressing over the next few years. Till then, wear your masks, stay safe, stay well. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 